Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or use a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Don't go at night. There's vampires about. But welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is the vivacious Mr. Horsley. Ooh, and today I like that one. on the show, well, it's Marita Woolwood Crandall, isn't it? It is, man. She's an author. She wrote, she writes vampires. If you can't tell from the intro Kenrick did, she does vampire novels. Uh, she came on, she talked with Melissa, our resident author on the show. And, and vampire talked about her expert. New Orleans vampires. That's Melissa's like, go-to thing for everything. Yeah. If she doesn't like it, just make him vampires. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. There that's how go. she fixes perfect, any perfect. story. Just make him vampires. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying she's a hack and just goes to vampires? I that's never said nice. she was a hack. That came out of your mouth that you are oh, terrible crap. to say anything like that. No, she's great. Melissa's great. Uh, this interview is great. Uh, I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I listened to this one, and it's 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 a lot of it's a lot yeah. of fun. And there's a link in the show notes for everybody uh, to her website uh, for um, the Paris of the South story she talks about in this cool. one for you to go check out yeah. as well. Awesome. Well, let's sit back and listen to Melissa and Marita in their own words. This is Spoiler Country, and I'm Melissa Sergia. I'm so excited for today's show, here to talk about her books, vampires, and the iconic city of New Orleans, is author, boutique vampire owner, vampire boutique owner, she doesn't own a vampire, uh, and descendant of Vlad the Impaler, Miss Marita Voivod-Crandall. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I hope I uh, pronounced your last name right. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. What about Crandall? That's that's perfect. Awesome. Well, let's you know. Let's start at the beginning. You're an author. You live in New Orleans. You you have a book about uh, vampire legend, which we'll get into. But how did you discover, and when did you discover that you're uh, a descendant of Vlad? So I moved to New Orleans in 2001 and I had was thinking of a way to live here because I loved it so much, you know. Mm. So I met the gentleman who owns Vampire Vineyards and started working with him to promote vampire wines in New Orleans. And then I thought, you know what, it'd be a great place to open up a vampire shop. So I opened my little vampire shop and my parents were pretty upset with me that I left a very important job in California to move, you know, to New Orleans and Mm. run a vampire shop and 10 bar. And then my father read in the New York Times about a book called The Historian and it was the number one bestseller. So he bought it and read it and he sent me a copy. He says, you're not going to believe this. You have to read this book. So Elizabeth Costover wrote the book, The Historian, which is an amazing vampire book. It's just such a beautiful book to read in any genre. Beautifully written. Anyway, that's how we found out that Vlad was a three-time Voivode. And uh, we are Voivodes, and my dad, you know, his history is from Prussia and then Romania. And so that's how we found out through the book, The Historian. Awesome. Now, were Crazy. you, yeah, that's insane and super exciting at the same time. Have you always been drawn to vampires and the occult? Yeah, I, not so much the occult. I love vampires and I love, you know, the romantic side of what vampires are about. Like I like Twilight and I like True Blood and I like Blade. I mean, I like pretty much any vampire movie ever made unless it's really, really bad. I remember <laughs> my brother and I, when we were young, we used to, you know, stay up really late and watch those black and white movies of the vampire chicks that were in the dungeons. Oh, yeah. And I even like that. So I've always had a little, you know, fascination with vampires, but it's not like it's an obsession with me or anything. <laughs> now it's become in, overwhelming. I mean, it's, you know, I've become like the vampire authority for 
movies and films and they come to me to find out storylines and almost every you know modern day movie or TV show has some of our product in their episodes or Twilight bought a necklace that I designed oh, that cool. was in the last movie yeah so it's just become like I don't even have a choice anymore you know but yeah. I do love it. I love it so yeah we just opened up um, right next to my shop the New Orleans Vampire Cafe so I've been working like 6 a.m. to midnight here getting it just you know ironing out all the the bad things but it's been really amazing we opened new year's day and vampires are everywhere so. oh my god that's so cool and so the cafe is that is like lunch and dinner or um is it just coffee like what what do you offer there no it's a it's it's on the line of fine dining it's really nice like we hired a chef who is amazing, Chef Chris Dunn, and he really has blown the menu out of the water. In fact, I wasn't expecting the restaurant to be this the level of fine dining. And so um, I had to rethink my marketing strategy. So we have breakfast. We're Right now, we were open from 7 until 11, but the tourists have stopped. And so at 7, it, it really wasn't worth it right now. So we're changing it from 9 to 11. But when we can be open 24 hours, as soon as the COVID restrictions stop, then we will be open 24 hours. And oh, that's wow. cool. Yeah. Because it's so nice. There's not that many places in the quarter, in the French quarter, where you can get like a late night, you know, dinner. And our, our food is just exquisite. So, yeah, it's, it's really unusual menu. And you can see it online at nolavampirecafe.com. Okay. Okay. Oh, you know what? I think I just saw this on Facebook, actually. I think I just like the page. Okay, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And and you've got the wines, um, the vampire wines as well, I believe. Yes, right? we only serve vampire wines. That's our one thing that we, that's the only product we sell is vampire wines uh, for the wine category. So we have vampire, we have Dracula and True Blood. And then we have Vampire Vodka also. We also make a the only that I've ever heard of, Spiked Snowball, that's oh. made with Vampire Vodka. And it's really delicious. It's dreamsicle flavored with two little Vampire Vodka red blood drops on top. Oh, wow. And, uh, but then we have a full bar also, you know. But that's yeah. the only wine that we carry, yeah. That's so cool. That sounds delicious. Actually, I wish I was there right now with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, we, our specialty drinks are all blood types because I wanted people to really feel like they're in, in an experience rather than just a meal. So they're ordering, you know, an O positive or a B negative, and it's it could be a dirty martini with a drop of V, which is a vampire red vodka. That's or really they could cool. be getting a you know a gin and tonic or a blackberry mojito, but at least they have to order it as a you know a positive or whatever. So it just makes it more fun. Yeah, that actually reminds me of True Blood. I think uh, in the uh, first season, they you know when they're first introducing all the characters in the bar, that's kind of like what they were ordering was like the O positive and that you know the B negative and stuff. That's really cool. Right. Yep. Yeah. We have a really good relationship, or we had, I should say, with uh, True Blood. They, when they ended the show, they actually gifted me Eric's crossbow. And then recently, friends of ours brought us Bill's coffin, the one that Suki stabbed him in. Oh, my gosh. You can see that in our courtyard. We have a really pretty courtyard here as well. And then also, we have a book club for the boutique, and it's the Vampire Library Book Club. It's a Facebook group page. So it's amazing. We just started four months ago. And then my librarian reached out to Charlene Harris, who wrote the, you know, Suki Stackhouse series. And she was just darling and wanted to be involved. So our book club, sorry, our book club is very intensive in that the authors have to participate. They have to send in at the beginning of the month, a minute video introducing themselves and their book. And then at the end of the month, we do an hour interview with them. And then at the end of that, the customer or the guests can ask questions to the author. So she was so warm and darling. She sent in her video just as planned. And she said, hi, you know, I'm Charlene Harris. Thank you so much for inviting me to your shop. <laughs> just <laughs> wow. So and the interview was amazing. She's just a really awesome person. Oh, that's really so, cool yeah, to hear. It's been, yeah, it's been really fun. Awesome. I'm definitely going to check that that out as well. And we'll and we can put links, you know, to everything in the show notes to make sure everyone can can go check it out. Yeah. Now, so as I, I'm reading in your book in the beginning, you know, when you talked about arriving in New Orleans and just this feeling that you had, you know, I've always been drawn there. I haven't, unfortunately, at this point had a chance to go, especially with everything happening now. So, describe to me, you know, what was that feeling like when you first arrived in New Orleans? What was so special about it? 
you know, that made you go, I'm originally originally from Germany and my parents moved here, you know, when I was pretty young and they took us to Disneyland. And I remember going to the Pirates of the Caribbean and I always wanted that one particular ride. I just wanted to escape there. I just, I I, I didn't tell my friend that went with me, you know, once we were like, I don't know, 13, I just want to live here. (laughs) And so I didn't know about New Orleans and I was sent on business when I was president of Home Savings of America, a bank in California. And I, I literally set a foot in the French Quarter and I, I couldn't believe it. I felt like I had landed in Pirates of the Caribbean, like live version, you know? And so I was walking in the streets. I mean, my whole time, my heart just like, I just, I couldn't believe it existed. So I went home and, you know, I came back on a few trips. And then finally, on one of my trips, I just got a little apartment here because I thought I wouldn't feel so sad every time I left. <laughs> and then I met Michael with Vampire Vineyards. I moved here a Halloween weekend to promote the wine. I just, you know, came for to my apartment for that weekend and ended up staying and sold my house over the phone. I just wow. couldn't <laughs> Yeah, it has this way. They say Marie Laveau, the queen, the voodoo queen of New Orleans, mm-hmm. put a curse on the city that, not, not a curse, but a spell that people would either hate it or love it. And if you loved it, you would always return. And I mean, I have so many people, I'm not unique in that story, that have come here and just fallen in love with the city and they can't leave. They just feel sick about leaving. And it, it, you really can't explain it until when it's, when it's hit you. You just, you have to come back. Wow. Well, I think her spell must be like far reaching then because I've been dreaming about New Orleans since I was a teenager. <laughs> wow. That's something. Yeah. Well, you need to come visit me. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love that. Interesting. It's, it's funny that you said about Disneyland because literally that is the first experience I had. I mean, before reading Anne Rice, of course, I was in Disneyland and they have that little New Orleans square set up and they have like the, the cafe with the mint julep and the Pirates of the Caribbean. And I thought, oh my God, this place is magical. And then when I grew up and found out it was, you know, based on a real place, I thought, oh my God, I have to go there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it really is the whole square, all of it. It's yeah. You, you'll love it. It's yeah. just amazing. That's so we, awesome. also have, we have a little vampire speakeasy called Potions and that <laughs> was really magical. So it, everything here just happens in so many magical ways. I just happened to open up my shop 18 years ago on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And then I found, finally, I found this place I wanted to be my speakeasy and it's above a, a crowded jazz club and it's just so Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> you know, you walk through this jazz club and you have to have a pass password to get in and then she opens the secret door and when you go upstairs it's almost like a salon from the 1920s in Paris it's mm. beautiful um, purple velvet sofas and we have brooms flying in the air and cute, you know, cute signs and a lot of stuff to look at and we have a balcony overlooking bourbon but, but anyway so when I was planning to open it it just coincidentally turned out that we were going to have to I mean it worked out to open on New Year's Eve and mm. I thought well, wow that's really magical so this year was our 18th year anniversary of the shop and our third year anniversary at Potions. And then when I wanted the cafe, same thing. I, you know, I approached the, the owners at a time where it was Halloween and I couldn't do anything. So I said, look, I, I really need to get the keys in November yeah. and then give me some time and we'll open New Year's Eve. And so now just total coincidence, we've opened all three businesses on New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's something there. There's some connection with that. <laughs> Definitely. The moon was aligned properly, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it, it's nice. It makes it easy to keep track too. You know? Oh yeah, that's true. Your anniversaries. You're like, every New Year's we have an anniversary. Yep. <laughs> that's so cool. So with you've published three books. The one I've read so far is, is The Vampire, you know, Legends and History. What inspired you to, I'm sure there's many, many legends, but what inspired you to focus on the three that you did in that book? So this is really crazy too. When, you know, I work at the shop and there's the tour companies come by and they all stop at my shop and talk about the shop a little bit. And they usually talk about my teeth because I happen to have natural vampire fangs, which yeah. is pretty crazy. <laughs> and I never really noticed it until I moved here. And people thought, the tour people really thought that I had them put it in. And then little by little, you know, they found out that, no, I was born with them. So they sit in front of my shop and say, you know, if you get to meet the owner, look at her teeth. And like, it's really <laughs> weird. But anyway... 
Uh, so there's these three legends, the Casket Girls, the Carter Brothers, and St. Germain. And I decided to write a book about the Carter Brothers. And as I was working on it, a novel, History Press contacted me and asked me if I would be interested in submitting a proposal on a book about where the vampire legends of the French Quarter came from. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'd be stupid not to you know, try to write this book. Yes. So I submitted my proposal and they agreed to it. And so I was really doing research and getting paid for it, which was you know, amazing. Yeah. So then I finished that book. And I needed a, for my novel, I started working on that again, and I, I needed a, a madam, like a French Quarter madam from the 1920s to be a character, uh, like a love interest for the Carter brothers, Wayne Carter. So there's John and Wayne Carter, and they were two brothers who, coincidentally, right across the street from my cafe, it was, I'm looking at it right now, oh, wow. is the Carter brothers' home. So they would tie people up, and then they would slit their wrists and drink the blood until they died, and then they'd throw their bodies on the third floor. Well, they swore when they were a girl escaped and went to the police, and sure enough, they found them there with all the bodies, and they um, insisted to be murdered because uh, executed because they said that they were vampires and they would just keep killing. So they were in fact hung, and then when they went to retrieve the bodies here in New Orleans, it's a year and a day that you can move the bodies aside and put, make room for the next bodies because the bodies are enough decomposed at that point well when they went to into the tomb there was nothing left no clothes no nothing and so they were just gone so you know there's that legend so anyway I needed a a love interest for Wayne Carter and I started researching all the madams from the 1920s and Josie Arlington just was mesmerizing to me so I started doing all this research on Josie and I, I mean I just I couldn't stop and so I contacted my publisher and asked them if they wanted a book about her she's really really a unique person yeah. She was a, a pioneer for women. She was, it's so not, you know, black and white. There's so much gray area. She donated a lot of money to churches and helped a lot of women. And so anyway, I, that's when I wrote the book about her. And so I basically did, wrote two books as research for my novel, which is, it's done. I'm just going through edits right now. So okay. hopefully that will come out this year. Oh, good. And so, well, that's interesting. I was going to ask you about that. So you're looking for a 2021 release with that one. Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Awesome. Cool. And the other thing I want to ask you about with the book, the vampire book, is, you know, the foreword was done by Dacre Stoker. And so for me, I was, you know, I asked for your book for Christmas, got the book. I was so excited. Opened it up, see the foreword. And, you know, we we interviewed Dacre on Spoiler Country last year, end of last year. And so I thought, wow, this is what a coincidence. And I actually tagged him in a, in a post and I said, I, I got this book and I saw the foreword. And he's like, I hope you enjoy it and this and that. And so I thought that was really exciting and kind of like a, an interesting coincidence. You know, how did you two meet and, and how did that come about? So he contacted me because he had a book come out also about research about Bram Stoker's Dracula. And he he wrote that with someone else. uh, I think, uh, I don't want to say because I can't remember the gentleman's name now. But anyway, so he came and did a book signing at my boutique. And we've just been friends ever since. He's such a neat guy. And he's just, you know, he does all those tours in Romania too. And I really want to take one. We were going to go last summer and then, you know, all that happened. Everything happened. But um, we're planning to go on next time we can go. I really want to go with him because he has just such a great thing set up where you get to see all the like steps that you know Bram Stoker was envisioning for his characters and um, you go to Bram Castle you go to Pravov Castle and just you know all all over Romania so I definitely want to do that but anyway yeah so we've been talking a lot about his book Dracul which is amazing Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have you read that one I just bought that one as well yeah it's on my list and yeah and I'm rereading actually Bram Stoker's Dracula because I read it when I was a teenager and I want to reread it again before I read Dracul just so you know so Dracul is actually the prequel to Dracula yes Um, that's yes it's really cool you know they did they did an amazing job I'm very proud of them that's a very good book so So yeah so he comes here he's going to come and do a book signing for us here at the cafe as well that's so cool and it's interesting too because you have that almost in in a a sense of personal connection since you know his ancestor you know wrote a a novel based on your ancestor in you know you have that connection crazy yeah it's the coincidences with vampires and me is really ridiculous <laughs> well yeah that's <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> the name to you know yeah so i don't you know when you say ancestor i'm sorry i've got a cough let me just get rid of it oh sure absolutely um so somewhere along the line 
I've tried to do genealogy about it, and we do end up, you know, in Romania. <coughs> but I can't track it back to Vlad specifically. Okay. So, but the name means war leader and leader of the dragon. And I mean, somewhere along the line, there has to be something. And it's, if you read my book, you know, it's a really cute story where we yeah. also, and I, I never <coughs> really thought about it until this happened with the, the book, The Historian. But when I was really young, our cousin came to our house and said the craziest thing happened to me. And she was vice president or president of a bank in California. Excuse me. <coughs> and this man, when he saw her name, just fell on his hands and knees and said, oh, you are queen of the gypsies, you know, and he was from Romania and he wouldn't stop. He just kept, you know, bowing to her and she made, had to make him stop. So when, when I found out about our name, that all came back to me. And so I think it'll be really fun for me to go to Romania and, you know, and like kind of the name that I'm a vote and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a really fun experience for you. And I think you'd be, well, you said you have all these coincidences with vampires. So I'm sure it'd be a very interesting trip as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so... Your your shop, you said now you've mentioned that you have things that have been featured in some of these, you know, TV shows and, and films. You know, what kinds of things for, for listeners that you know haven't haven't been and don't know much about it, what what kinds of um, items do you guys offer? So when I opened my shop, you know, 18 years ago, I wanted something pretty authentic. So mm-hmm. I've always been on side streets, and right now we're the only shop on this particular street where I am. And it's just kind of a really magical experience. And that's what I wanted for people is like to stumble on. And we're not in Jackson Square. We're not on Royal Street or Bourbon Street. You know, you happen down this little street and you stumble on this tiny, we're a tiny shop, tiny little vampire shop. And we have like so many, even our furniture is old. I bought, mm-hmm. you know, old wooden furniture. So I wanted it to be something where people can really lose themselves. So we make a lot of our own products, a lot. My staff is amazing. We make our candles, which we've had since I opened, and they're fortune candles. So when you when you are interested in one, we ask you some questions, and we have hundreds pre-made in the back, and then we go and find the right one for you. Because oh, wow. inside are these beautiful charms like pewter charms and so each time a charm reveals itself then it has some magical meaning to you and it's so cool the stories I get from people that write me or they'll email me or they'll call me and say I can't believe this is impossible that these charms are in my candle yeah they always have something you know real specific so that's like one of my most favorite products and then we have our own perfume that's made by the oldest perfumer in New Orleans we have perfume pendants you can wear it around your neck we have poison rings we have i mean beautiful artwork from all kinds of artists lots of jewelry lace jewelry sarah segovia is a very amazing artist and she makes our stained glass items and um, our lips are stained glass we call them fang nets they're refrigerator <laughs> magnets but they're stained glass and they have two swarovski crystals dangling from them and, oh wow and they put that in the show true blood and eric office our journals are leather with handmade paper and they use those in uh, vampire diaries and the originals gosh there have been several movies are we have really authentic voodoo dolls and they come with a little sheet that tells you how to use them we have our hunting kits all of our books are signed by the authors god i could just there's so much but our website is right now it's feelthebite.com and almost everything we have is online so it'll give you a good, we have a lot of makeup and our lip gloss is amazing. It's a matte lipstick. Uh, it's called Vampire 20, uh, Ancient Vampire 23. It's, I can't say enough about it. It's really, really good. I don't know. I just, like I said, That's I can awesome. go on. So, yeah, yeah, everyone needs a good red lipstick, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> And also, do you guys do shipping or do you have to... ship everywhere in the United States. We used to ship um, to Canada and also internationally, but it's just too hard now. And I feel so bad about it. But we shipped something to Canada and it didn't get there for about five months. And then when it finally got there, she had to drive to post office and get it and had to pay, like, I think 20 more dollars to get it. So it's just not, you know, feasible right now. But as soon as we can again, we will. And I've been talking to Amazon. We just can't get it straightened out, you know, where they can ship it. But we also have, God, we have so many cool things. We have vampire mystery boxes that have really taken off since COVID. And it's really fun. So you you can subscribe and get a mystery box every month, or you can just buy a one-off. And there's different levels. And there are blood levels, like there's a B positive or, you know, whatever. And um, you get a lot of just really cool stuff from the shop, like a, you know, a, like a fun gift for yourself. 
That's really and then cool. What else? We also do vampire adventures. And this is something you might look yes. into when you come to visit. <laughs> so um, you can actually come and live as a vampire for three nights and two days. We put you up in a vampire-friendly hotel that has no windows with reading material and some vampire wine and vampire oh. chocolate. And then you get to do like hunting and ghost touring and vampire tours and you build a vampire hunting kit. and It's just really, really fun. But we also do one day adventures that are, you know, more economically feasible. So. Okay. Yeah, I saw the, the the tours and the adventures on there and I was just, I mean, I was scouring your website for a good hour <laughs> and I thought, well, that would be incredible. So much fun to do a tour because that's really what you want, you know, especially if you're into vampire lore and New Orleans lore and legend. Like you want to be immerse yourself in the experience. And and then I read some of you, you have great reviews on your on your tours. People just had a blast. So that's really exciting. And we have a lot of repeat customers and I've found that my favorite way to do it now is the way my customers actually taught me. So rather than coming and doing like a you know one day tour or lumping it all into three days or whatever, um, I had two customers that did a, a two day tour. And then next time they came back, they said, you know, we really want it to go. We don't want it to be over. So we want it to start in the beginning and end at the end. So I weave them through people's trips now. So you have a little bit of vampire throughout your whole vacation. And that's a really fun way for me to do it, too. I really enjoy those. That's cool. And then there's also there's lots of other tours, too, in the city that people can do if they're like wanting to do voodoo or or ghosts or, or do you incorporate that into your tours as well? I do. I do incorporate those and also the escape rooms. Those but, are fun. Yeah, there's voodoo tours, there's ghost tours, there's cemetery tours, and we do incorporate those into our tour, into our adventures. Okay, cool. And then and we also uh, have adventures in the mail. And those are fun too. Oh. So, um, yeah, if you check out the Vampire Adventures, I think we have five different ones now, and they're really fun. So, you get three different mailings over throughout the month. It starts off with an email, and they're fun. It's really fun. That's awesome. I did one similar like that for like a Sherlock Holmes type of adventure, and it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I highly recommend the mail-in ones because they're, you know, you don't have to leave your house, and but you get to feel like you're still kind of part of some kind of mystery. Right. Awesome. And then your, your speaky, speak easy potions, which you, you mentioned, how do people get into that? Is, do you have to have a membership or? We do have members. We have about 150 members now, but most of them don't live in the city. So we keep it very, very exclusive. It's only for my customers really. So you come to the vampire shop and, you know, we mention it and, and then we give you the password and we, we cut it off. We only let 40 people up there at once. So it's always very, very chill. We have a balcony overlooking cool. perfect. So you can walk out and, you know, look at the real world and then come right back in again into this really magical environment. So, yeah, we keep it um, pretty quiet. And our customers have been amazing in keeping it quiet. So I've looked at reviews and they've been keeping the secret, most of them. They'll say, you know, go to the vampire shop. That's where you have to get the password rather than just giving it out. So we haven't had to change the password too much. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a really neat experience. And then you can become a member. Memberships are really reasonable. And that way, if you're coming to the city more than, you know, like four times a year, it makes sense to be a member. Yeah. And then you, you don't have to, there's no cover charge. Otherwise, there's a cover charge to come in. But it's like, it's a really, it's like, and it's part of the adventures as well. You usually end up there at night. But you yeah, do. To, you know, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask that if, if that was part of the, the tour or the adventure, uh, if you got to end up at the speakeasy. Yes. Almost all of them end up there because it's such a neat way to end the night. But I mean, imagine, you know, you, you step into this little vampire shop and it, you enjoy it. Actually, there's a hotel across the street from us. It's like the back of the hotel. And one night, just as we were closing, this older couple came in and they said, you know, we just had to come over here because I've been watching people go into the shop all day long, but I never see them coming out. <laughs> and so I started talking to her about the shop and, you know, they came in, at, let's say about nine o'clock at night and I was showing her around and they ended up spending $300 in the shop and they wow. spent almost, almost 45 minutes in the shop. And I said, now imagine if you had watched yourself walk in here, you wouldn't have watched you walk out because, you know, you weren't watching right. 45 minutes. She goes, oh, <laughs> so we really have something for everybody. We have beautiful messenger bags that are leather from Italy, you know, fountain pens, <coughs> excuse me, things vampires would buy. Okay, cool. And do you ever have, have anyone doing tarot readings or fortune telling? 
Yes, we have tarot readers at the shop and at the cafe and at Potions. And we also do tea leaf readings here at the cafe and at Potions. And we have one reader who does astrology charts as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So literally, it's like one stop. You can get all of your vampire and tarot magic fantasies yes. like fulfilled, essentially. <laughs> and also at Potions, you know, we, all of our um, bartenders know magic. And so I met this magician, Paul Nossinger, Nossinger, who has done several shows for us with his mystery collection. He's a very good magician. And he believes that things like objects hold parts of their history. And so he did, like he really does magic regarding that, a lot of that. But he also is a partner in my cafe and he is our beer, beer curator. And we'll be doing some magic shows here probably too, but he's, he's really into beer. So I just leave all that to him. He's got some great selections. So we have like beer flights. People can get four different kinds of beer from our drafts and then taste them all. And, you know, so yeah, we, there's a lot of fun stuff going on here. That's cool. Now, do you offer like vegan and gluten-free options and things like that? We do because I haven't eaten meat since I was 17 and I eat fish though. But we have a lot of things for pescatarians. We have a lot of things for vegetarians. And we have, you know, gluten-free and um, vegan. We have cauliflower rice and uh, roasted Brussels sprouts and asparagus and lots of salads. Gosh, I'm trying to think of We have, uh, like, this really great tomato salad and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, you don't have to be afraid. But we have a lot of good things for meat lovers, too. Oh, good. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I don't eat gluten. I haven't eaten it for like a long time. And it's always a challenge when you go travel somewhere uh, is to is to find, you know, food that you can enjoy that's authentic, but, you know, that you're not allergic to. So that's cool. Right. So for all the gluten-free listeners, you, you've got something for you yeah. there, too. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Now, in in your book, and, and I don't want to give too much away because I want people to to go buy your book because it's awesome. And But you do tell a personal ghost story that you can share if you want to share. If not, people go read it in the book. It gave me, literally gave me chills. I was reading it late last night and it was like dark in my house. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, why am I reading this right now? It's freaking me out. But um, I was going to say, it's funny of all the, you know, the people that talk to me about my book, that the that experience is the thing that they like the most about the book. It's really interesting to me. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's, it's very, well, it's very authentic. I guess it is soon as I was reading it, I could literally, I'm a very visual person anyways, but I could put myself in the the scene, like I, the way you described it, it was very visceral and like provoking as far as the imagery. So I thought, it felt like I was there in the scene with you. And so, yeah, I got the creeps for a minute, <laughs> but well, uh, yeah. I'll tell you, there's a few things they wouldn't let me publish in the book. And one of them is, one of the legends is the Casket Girls, which is probably my favorite legend. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the few people in the world that's had a private tour of the Ursuline Convent attic. And they wouldn't let me publish my experience in the book, but I have on my website, which is just my name, my full name, Marita Voivodecrandall.com, is the research tab. And so if you go to the research tab, and there's, there's several things, but the one about the casket girls, this is the attic, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. I wrote the entire experience. And I think you'll really enjoy that too, because it's written in the same from my you know perspective. And it was chilling to me and also magical and like amazing to even be allowed to be up there. Mm-hmm. The whole the way it all transpired, it was a rainy day. And like, so you should check that out too. Okay. You know, I'm definitely going to read that because I was actually going to ask you about the attic and and just if you had, you know, seen anything or so I'll read that because that will obviously you've been inside. <laughs> yeah, it's better if you read it because I really thought it out, you know, and I, I took a lot of time to write that. And like same with the story. I mean, I kind of hate because I, I mean, it was, it was such a chilling event. I mean, you know, when people ask me if I believe in vampires, I mean, it's such a hard question because I yeah. don't, I mean, you know, it's obvious, like, it just seems like this is a crazy thing to believe in. But that experience really happened to me, and I really believe that that man was a vampire. So I guess I do believe in vampires, yeah. which is so crazy, you know. And I still, like, when I'm in the shop by myself late at night, the hair on my neck stands up sometimes. I know I'm going to see that man again. Yeah. And it was just crazy. So do you want me to tell it? Or? Yeah, I would love it. I would love for you to tell it if, if you want to, because it was it was awesome. <laughs> 
Okay, so I will. So, yeah, I was, my husband used to work before we were married. He was working really late at a nightclub until four in the morning. And I opened the shop and I was trying to stay open, you know, as late as possible. So I was in there alone by myself a lot. But this particular time was actually just a twilight time. And I was, my dog worked with me and she was a, a really big black German Shepherd. And she was the sweetest dog ever. So she would sit by my desk. And if I went around the corner to make candles, I couldn't see the rest of the shop. And our shop was situated really strange where it was a bad decision, the shop. But you had to walk down a long carriageway before you could get to the door. So people would walk down there and, you know, then they'd walk in the door. And first thing they would see is this big German Shepherd. But she would stand up if somebody walked in or sit up or whatever. And I would know that somebody walked into the shop. Well, I was just pouring candles when I heard somebody walk in and she sat up, but she started like, I think she actually barked once, but she was growling, which is, I've never heard her growl before in my life, like ever. And so I couldn't stop pouring though. So I said, I'll be right there. And I, I just wanted the person to feel comfortable. I was embarrassed, you know, that she was doing that. So I walked around the corner and I, I could hear that the, whoever walked in was walking with a cane because you could hear that you know, kind of walk with the stamp. And so I walked over to her and I, I put my head, my hand on her head and told her to sit. And I welcome the man. Like when people walk into my shop, I always welcome them and tell them that everything's handcrafted, you know, and we make our own candles, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So he completely ignored me. And this man was like, if you, if like a real vampire, not like a tour guide, not like, I mean, I'm talking, you know, a, a man from Romania. And I kept trying to think maybe he was Italian or Greek, but every time I think about his accent, it was Romanian. And he was very nice looking, probably in his like forties, dressed in tailored clothes, a very fitting and his cane was gorgeous like it was very ornate and he had like real short like you know nicely cut like salt and pepper hair anyway he was ignoring me and so I got you know and nobody really makes me nervous but I was for some reason he made me nervous and it could have been my dog as well because I put my hand on her head and she was still growling the entire time he was in there there was like this vibration you know and so that might have made me nervous too I don't know it all happened so fast so anyway so he starts walking around the room and all of a sudden he says do you have the history of the vampire and I said, no, because we only sell books that are, you know, signed by authors, but that's a good idea. I'll, you know, I'll look into that. And so then he looked around a little more and he said to himself, he said, I mean, it wasn't to me. He said to himself, he goes, I know people who would be very interested in this. And then <laughs> it, was, it was almost like the shop was like a um, compliment to his kind, you know, that's yeah. when he made it simple. So he walked around and then, you know, he just he ignored me the rest of the time. And then he started to walk out. Well, he walked out of the door and my dog sat down and I sat down and I said to her, I go, that was weird. And then my husband is six foot six and he walks with purpose. So the windows on the, are all along the left side. And so I see, you know, him walking by the window out of my peripheral vision. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's going to run right into this man. Cause it happened just like that. Like the guy walks out the door. I sit down, I see my wow. husband. I'm like, oh, he's going to So my husband walks in the door and I say, well, that was so weird, that guy. He goes, what guy? I go, the guy who just walked out of here. He goes, nobody just walked out of here. I'm like, Steve, the man with the cane. He goes, nobody just walked out of here. And there's literally nowhere to go. There's a carriageway in the street. And then we were in the middle of the block. So I ran out and there was nobody around. I mean, like oh nowhere. God. And it was like, I, I don't know. The whole thing was so crazy. And so, it, I mean, to me, it freaked me out. My husband's like, whatever, you know. But, yeah. I mean, it was a very, very strange experience. Yeah. That, well, so and That's my almost, real true life vampire story. It, and it's so chilling because, you know, you... you you wonder, you know, it makes you wonder about these things when you were like so convinced before you're like, no, this doesn't exist. It's just fun. It's entertainment. But then something like that happens and you're kind of like, oh, wait, maybe, maybe right. you or, or maybe he was a ghost or, you know, it, it's just bizarre. Yeah, that was very strange. But yeah, it does make you wonder for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And have you had have you had any other encounters like that other other than that one, or or was that just the one that? Well, I've had a couple of uh, like I've never had you know any kind of ghost encounter before I moved to New Orleans, but I do. There was this I've had a couple of my own, but there is this one other vampire story from here. So there's this elderly lady. In fact, I just went by her shop the other day, and it was closed up, and I'm really terrified that she oh, no. may not 
you know, be around. But anyway, she had, she sells old wrought iron stuff and I would go see her a lot and she's German. So we would talk German, you know, and Mm -hmm. I would buy stuff from her. Like every year I'd buy something ornate for my house or for the shop or whatever. So last time I was in there, I, I, used to give her my dog I rescued dogs and I used to give her this calendar I did the last time I was in there I gave her my vampire buzz and she goes oh my god and she said listen and she took me aside and she got real quiet and I loved this so much because we were in the back of her shop which is all like you know these really cool wrought iron like horse heads and all kinds (laughs) of stuff and she she lives above the shop with her husband who wasn't doing well and she said I have to tell you, and don't you dare tell anybody I told you this. So, so I, you'll never know who she is. So, but anyway, so she said, yeah, because my husband thinks I'm crazy. But we were, when we first bought this building, we moved in above it and we, you know, we built the shop underneath. And then one night we were up in our bedroom and I, I couldn't sleep. And I looked, or I heard something and woke me up. And I looked and there was a man standing at the foot of our bed and he had red eyes. And I know he was a vampire. And she goes, I don't know how I know that, but I really felt it. I really felt that this man was a vampire. So I woke my husband up. He kept hitting him and hitting him. He wouldn't wake up. I finally woke him up and he turned the light on and there was nothing there. And he said that I was crazy or I was dreaming. She goes, I know for a fact what I saw and I know I wasn't dreaming. So that really happened. I don't know how, how he came in or how he left, but there was a vampire standing at the foot of my bed. <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah, terrifying. That's, yeah, that's a way creepier. Well, um, I guess that kind of defeats the whole, like, they have to be invited in theory. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I didn't think about that. It's true. My God, that's so scary. And then, like I, like I said, I've had a couple of experiences, but the ones I've been told are even better. Like, this, I used to work right across from this hotel that's in, on the other side of my shop. So I was, my bar that where I worked was a, on, in the front side of the, of the hotel. And it was right after Katrina, and they were doing all this construction on it. And the foreman came into the bar. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. And he goes, I need a shot of something. I don't even care what it is. <laughs> so I, you know, I gave him a shot or whatever. And he goes, I, I cannot even believe what just happened to me. And, and he goes, I, I just, I, he was like speechless. He took him forever to get it out. And I wish I could remember the story even better because he told it, you know, it was like chilling when he was talking about it. But he was on, in the ballroom. And that hotel is supposed to be one of the, I mean, they're all haunted, but this one's supposed to be really haunted. And people see these little girls because it was a monastery for a while. And if you stay on the third floor, um, like now and then, it, really intense nights, the little girls fold your clothes. But usually they just turn your water on and off. And I've heard had many friends who stayed there and their water turned on in the middle of the night. But anyway, so this guy was in the ballroom. And he was working and all of a sudden he looked up and there was a soldier there, like a, a really short soldier from like the Civil War. And he, but he was ghostly looking, he said already, like kind of, you know, not completely trans, transparent, but not completely like solid, solid, right? Yeah. So he looked at him and he was like kind of staring at him. And all of a sudden he floated up into the air and was looking at him <gasps> and he ran out in, into my bar and he didn't go back. He goes, I, I'm not going back. He goes, how can I go back? <laughs> That's why he's like, just give me a shot of whatever you have. <laughs> I mean, that would be really trippy. So I, the things I've seen were not, I mean, it was weird to me, you know, yeah. um, I was walking my dogs. And like I said, I rescue dogs and I usually rescue German shepherds. I've rescued all kinds of dogs, but I'm mostly German shepherds. So I was walking to that I was rehabilitating and I have to keep them away from people, you know, because they've been tortured and they're they're friendly at first. So I had them both on my left side and I'm very aware when I'm doing this that nobody gets near them. So I'm across the street from my house is just down the road and a car is going by and there's a couple catty corners, standing catty corner from me. But otherwise, no one else is around. And all of a sudden, a man's arm in a felt coat, red felt coat, reaches across my body and like to reach for my left hand. And I screamed because I thought he was going to get bitten. I wasn't even worried about what, that, that there was a hand or a man about to touch me. But I was like really terrified for him because he would have gotten bitten, you know, if you were that close to me. Oh, yeah. And so I screamed and I literally saw the hand disappear in front of my eyes, the whole thing. I never even saw the person. I just saw the arm and the hand. Oh my God. It was middle of the day across from this house called the Sultan's house. This on the ghost tours where all these people were tortured. And this one girl, she's very in tune with ghosts and she was on the tour. um, And she came to see me later on and she started throwing up. 
because oh, she smelled wow. like all the blood and gore that came out of that house. But anyway, that's where I was. And that's all I saw. And I, I ran home and told my husband. And of course, again, you know, I didn't mean anything to him, but I'll never forget it. And it's getting to be, it was about six years ago. And the vision of it in my mind is getting weaker and weaker. Whereas the vampire story, you know, that, I mean, when that man came in, mm-hmm. that is as vivid. I can remember that as vivid as, as yes, I mean, it just happened to me. And that was 18 years ago. Wow. (laughs) And you said that you believe that you're going to see him again. I do. I know I'll see him again. I just, I can't explain it, but I know I'll see that man. Yeah. And I know it's going to be really weird for me when I do. Like, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to, I mean, it's not going to be like, you know, he walks in and he goes, oh, it's so nice that you have a cafe. You know what I mean? Right. It'll be like when I'm here by myself or something and he'll just appear somehow. Like, I just, I don't know. I had this creepy feeling about that. Yeah. Well, and because you're kind of anticipating it, yeah, I would, I would imagine you'd be like, when it actually, you know, happens, you're going to probably not be okay, like panicky or something, I guess. But if he's ever planning on turning me into a vampire, he better hurry. My husband said, too, if they don't hurry and turn us into vampires, we're going to need vampire dentures. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's let's not wait till we're we're too old and gray. Like, if we're going to live forever, let's be in our best shape possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I used to work for a, a hotel that was pretty haunted and in the area that I live in. Um, in Northern California, there's a lot of haunted haunted stuff in, in Monterey. And the hotel I lived in was very strange. They had a remodel that they were doing. And so one of the buildings, they decided to just demolish down, you know, to the ground floor and rebuild something in its spot. So I was working at the front desk and we would get phone calls from that building even after it was not there anymore. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's creepy. Yeah, that's like you, you would answer the phone, it would just be silence. And we're like, it's from building 16. And there was literally, there's no building 16 anymore. So yeah, it was really creepy. And then of course, you know, your managers are like, oh, it's just the phone lines, they're, the wiring's off or something. But you just felt it when you answered the phone that like there was something creepy about it. And then we uh, found out just with research that, the hotel had been built on like Native American burial grounds or something. So it was just like, uh, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's probably why. So, but yeah, those, those things happen though. Like, like you said, like you're not really a believer. You try to like logically have an explanation for something, but then when you're in it, you're like, wait, no, this is otherworldly. Right. And like when we first um, opened up potions, you know, my husband and I would work there really late at night together and um, sometimes we were there till six in the morning. And one night we were there and this happened like right in the very beginning when we first opened, another couple was in there and we were just, you know, they stayed late. And so we were just having a nice conversation. And I was actually sitting with them at the bar. My husband was standing bar. So I went around the corner to get a glass of water and I see him walk by, the, by me, you know, towards the balcony. And then I came around the corner and he's sitting right there. And I was like, that's weird. I go, didn't you just walk that way? He goes, no. But I saw, I remember gray pants. That's all I remember seeing. And he wasn't even wearing gray pants. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I don't know what I saw. So then about two days later, we worked late again. And my husband was outside getting beer to bring back into the bar. And I just, you know, forgot that he was even out there. And I was doing something and I saw him walk into the bathroom. And all I remember again was gray pants. And he walks in from the outside. I go, wait a minute. Didn't you just walk into the bathroom? (laughs) And he was wearing jeans, you know? And I'm like, that's so weird. I swear I just saw somebody with gray pants walking in the bathroom. So I went and checked and no one was there. And I, I didn't even see the whole person, just the bottom, you know? Oh, so so then two days later, my friend was working at the bar and she called me at home. She goes, Marita, the strangest thing just happened. A woman went into the bathroom and she came running out saying there was a man in a gray suit in the bathroom. And <gasps> oh I hadn't told God. anybody that. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, there's something to this. And then nothing happened again. It's been three years. So I guess we've just stirred him up and he didn't want us there at first, or maybe he was just checking things out, but I guess we scared him off. Wow. Well, that's, maybe it's a good thing. (laughs) I mean, I I I wouldn't want to be there alone. No, no, that's too creepy. Cause you just never, you just never know. That's so, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's like so many story. I mean, I have a bunch more too. Same thing. I worked at a restaurant and I have a funny bathroom story. I can, I can tell you later, but I also wanted to, I, I wanted to ask you, you did, you've written a couple 
other books as well. And one of them, you actually worked at the bar that you wrote the book about, Johnny White's Sports Bar, the tiny joint that never closed until it did. It's like such a cute title first. I love it. So what what was that experience like? Like, why was this place so special in New Orleans? It was amazing. It was, we still mourn that bar. It was just so magical. So, you know, when I first moved here, my my real, I didn't know anybody when I moved here, not one soul, but my I ran into my realtor who rented me the apartment and I, I was a big Laker fan. And I said, hey, we're going to watch the Lakers play. And he goes, well, we all go to Johnny White's. And so it was in the block where I live. And so I walk around the corner. It's on Bourbon Street, though. And I looked in the window and it was this dirty, like tiny little bar and somebody was dancing to the jukebox and like, I'm like I would never go in there and then I and I mean it's so funny how it became such a big part of my life but my neighbor worked there in the mornings at 7 a.m to 11 a.m and she goes you should come see me on a morning shift and I thought who would go to a bar at seven in the morning you know and so one morning she used to slam her door all the time so I heard her leave and I thought okay I'm gonna go check it out so I went and I had for mimosa and I never left that bar I mean it was just the people the it, it's like it was a place where if you had something good to tell somebody or something bad to tell somebody there was always somebody there that you know cared and it was just I don't know so many magical things happened I mean I could go on and on but yeah. and the story is like you know, I love that book so much because it's really, if you ever want to know what it's like to live in New Orleans, that my book, that book really shows you like the personalities of everything here, the people and the buildings and, you know, but that bar was like, it's right in the heart of the French Quarter, just one block from my shop. And it was on Bourbon, but it was like the locals living room. You would go there for your coffee in the morning and you would go there for your coffee, your nightcap, you know, and I don't know, it's and like tourists, once we, you know, once you were a tourist and you came in there, it was kind of like the French Quarter like sucked you in and people <laughs> fell in love with that little bar. And so they would actually come from the airport with their suitcases, have their first Bloody Mary and then check into the hotels. That's like, cool. Yeah, it was a great bar. And it's really sad. We lost our lease. That's the only reason it closed. But yeah. It, oh, is that a- what happened? I was going to ask you how, why, why it closed. That's too bad. Yeah. And, and that was, was that, did that happen because of Katrina? No, that was, we were open long after Katrina. Okay. Um, Yeah, we closed in 2011, I think. Yeah, I think it was 2011. Katrina was 2005. Okay. Yeah. That's, well, that's, uh, maybe it can be revived at some point, you know? Well, we've kind of tried. It's, I don't, and somebody else just bought the building and uh, they're trying to make it, you know, a local's place again, but it doesn't have that same, they they renovated it and ruined all the good things of the bar, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But we still go there, you know, because you can't take away the view. So, but now a lot of the locals are coming here. And so that's okay too. I'm happy about that. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what do you think it is about New Orleans that has stayed so what's the word I'm looking for? I, you know, you see all these cities that start to to grow and not always for the good, you know, they get super commercialized and you get a Starbucks on every corner. You know, what do you think it is about New Orleans that keeps its original charm and culture? Well, we're really lucky that we have the Vucare Commission and they're a little over the top sometimes. They do some really ridiculous things where like, you know, you there's a, a palette of colors you can choose to paint your house. But the, the word is that you can, you should never give them your first choice first because they'll turn it down just because <laughs> they want to be, you know, have importance or whatever. But the good thing about them is that they keep it old. So there are no chains allowed in the French Quarter and you do have to have a wooden sign, you know, no neon. And, and so that, that we have to thank them for. And I, I think without that, we would be, you know, it would be awful here. So we're lucky with that. The one thing I'm really upset about and I really want to bring back, we, I do a parade called Messi for the Magic. That's a Halloween kickoff parade. And I got all the magical organizations in the French Quarter together. And we do it on the first Thursday of October to kind of kick off the Halloween season. Because here, Halloween is a whole season. Yeah. It's so much fun. Oh, my God. Anyway, I know. I've always know. wanted to go for Halloween. Uh, Halloween's oh. my favorite holiday. I decorate like two months before. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing here. It's and it's amazing. But so we do this parade. I wanted to do this little, you know, funky parade. We go all through the quarter in like horse and buggies. And then the buggies get breaking down. So now we're in little golf carts. 
But, but anyway, I decided that rather than it just being that, that maybe we could raise money through that parade somehow to bring the street lamps back because the French Quarter used to be, when you were walking down the streets at night, it was all gas lamps, you know, mm, the, on the street yeah. lamps. But now they changed it all out. They use this money. It's so ridiculous to make them all LED. It was like $400,000 to renovate it, you know, to wow. LED. And I can get $400,000 to renovate it back. I know I can raise that money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, that's really what I want to do because that that ruined a lot of the old feeling to me. Yeah. You know? The charm. So, yeah. There's always yeah. like the, the musty. I'm a writer as well. And in my books, I always like to use the the lampposts as sort of a way to kind of set the mood and, and get you into that feel. So yeah, I hope you can get that back. Cause me too. I really hope so. That'll be my, maybe my, not my next project, but the one after that. Yeah. <laughs> got a lot on my plate. And start like a GoFundMe for it or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We really need to. It'll make a big difference. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you do have a lot on your plate and it sounds like it's all really exciting. I mean, even despite you know, the pandemic and everything, it sounds like you're still doing good. And, you know, you've got your locals and your regulars and, you know, what, what can, what, what are you hoping for, for, you know, this year, once, once we're all open, you know, back up again, you said you're going to be open 24 hours in the cafe and then you have the boutique, anything else in the works? Well, my book, The Carter Brothers, you know, like I said, I'm really going to focus on after I get a couple more bugs, we have to get the courtyard fixed up here. And then I'm really going to just power on the edits of the novel and work on getting that out. And I'm really excited about it because there's so many fun things around the novel. One of the, I'll tell you a magical story about, there's so many about things that have opened up, doors opened up for me with this novel. So I just know it's meant to be. But one of them uh, is crazy story. My assistant published on my Facebook page this image of a four-edged painting, which I didn't even know existed, but it's when you take a book that has gilded edges, so golden pages, and you fan it out, and then there's a, a painting on it. And so they used to do it to mark books like a long time ago for like royalty, but some are so gorgeous. Like we have two in the New Orleans Historic Collection here that are, one of them's Uncle John's, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh. And then one's a book of poetry, but there are many of them. Anyway, I originally thought, God, I have to write this into my story. So now I did. And it's a big part of the novel, actually, but there's a secret in the painting. Oh. And so I had to, I have to have one, right? So it turns out you can't like multi-produce it. And so it has to be one painting. And I found out that there's only one professional four-edge painter in the world right now. And I'm like, what? So I found him. I found out who it is. His name's Martin Frost, and he's in England. And I thought, okay, I want him to do the mural. And then the first thousand books, you know, hardbacks, one of them will get, when it's shipped to them, they'll be the lucky winner of this mural and the painting. And so I couldn't find him. And I, I emailed every email there was for him. I looked at his Facebook page. I left him messages, nothing, right? For a month, I was trying oh, to find wow. him. I was getting really frustrated. So now and then when I get really frustrated, I sit and I just like focus. Like I have so many stories about this, but I just sit and I, like, I'm like, okay, how can I do this, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember it. I have one friend in England, a very close friend. And I called her and I said, you know, Kat. And I told her just what I told you. And she goes, wait, what? Martin Frost, he used to live across the street from me. His mother, his da- his wife worked for my father. She goes, hang on. And she had him contact me. And sure enough, he's doing the mural for me or the painting for me for oh, that book. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's just that it's meant to be. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's I feel, impossible. Like, you know, but I mean, I do believe. The person I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's intention, though. You know what I mean? It's It's putting that out into the universe, I think. And then. Especially like you were saying, when you just kind of focus and meditate, I do this as well, and visualize, and then all of a sudden you start, things just kind of coincidentally, or, you know, I I like to call it synchronicity, you know, start kind of falling into place. That's what it sounds like happened with that. (laughs) Yeah, it's so magical. So anyway, I'm just dying for that book to get out. So that's what I'm going to really focus on. That's my project this year. My Josie Arlington book came out in February, and my other big project is... Josie, she she was so amazing, and she raised her niece, and she her niece never knew that she was a madam, and so Josie bought a house away from all that on Esplanade Avenue, a mansion, and that's where like her brother and you know their, like their whole family moved in with her, and she would just like daunt on this niece Anna, and so 
Anna, after Josie died, I'll make this really short, but Josie passed away and she was dating, Anna thought she was married to this man named Brady. Mm -hmm. Well, after Josie died, there was some hanky-panky going on and two weeks later, no, a week later, Brady married Anna, the niece. And I mean, this had been Josie's longtime companion, right? Wow. So there were a couple of reasons for this woman is money oriented, but the other one, they stayed married and, you know, whatever. So a year and a day after Josie had spent years having this tomb made for herself. In 1911, she started, and it's a rose granite tomb with a beautiful statue of a girl holding roses, like knocking on the door. And that's, we believe, symbolic of her knocking on her parents' door and she was turned away and then turned to prostitution. But also, uh, it could be symbolic of girls that were knocking on her door to come in and she would never deflower a virgin. And so it could be symbolic of that as well. So anyway, it was really important to her. And she died on Valentine's Day in 1914. And a year and a day afterwards, her niece sold the tomb for money. Her niece and Brady. Oh, my gosh. And, and they squeezed the last bit of They went through her fortune so quickly. And they, they needed more money. And it just makes me sick to my stomach, you know. So yeah. I decided, I, I, I know one of, well, at the time, I knew one of her ancestors. And I, I was spreading all the I found the original plans of the tomb at Tulane University all of them like and all the paperwork that Josie signed to have it made and everything and I just start crying and I'm like this is terrible that she's not where she wanted to be you know yeah so I called Darlene and I said you know what we have to put her back in our tomb. We just have to, even if we have to build another tomb, you know? Yeah. And so, so then because of that, other family members that even Darlene didn't know came out of the woodwork and everybody agreed with me. And so we were trying to find the original owners of the tomb and we couldn't and couldn't. And I was on the news when my book came out and just this summer, the Morales family contacted me and they own the tomb and they, they are, they were like, this is amazing. We would love to have her back into her own tomb. So she's going to join them. And like with their ancestors. So right now the cemetery is just holding us up, but we're hoping to do it by February the 14th or on the date she passed away. So that's my new, my, I guess my big project, you know, that I'm working on. Yeah. That's awesome. That's pretty neat. That's so, are you going to have like a ceremony and everything? Yes. In fact, we're doing it. If we do that on Valentine's Day, we'll see because it's pretty good and pretty close and it doesn't look like it's the the doors are opening as fast as I want them to. If we do it, then we'll, you know, have a, a bigger like ceremony. But if we don't do it then and we're still working on it and either way, we're having a seance through. It's a magical seance. So the magician I mentioned earlier, Paul Nossinger, he is going to do we're doing a dinner at like a special event at the cafe where it'll be a preset menu that all has to do with you know that time that era and then we'll do like a procession to potions and then do a seance and it's only 12 people and him so there's he's the 13th and we're going to do this like magical Josie seance to bring her back to maybe she can help wow. us yeah. <laughs> I, I love that that's so cool yeah I kind of want to now go to New Orleans <laughs> and <laughs> hang out with your friends and you because this sounds yeah awesome. you have to come we will have fun I promise yeah definitely come visit and I'll hook oh, you up absolutely that would be so much fun well and thank you for taking time out of your night I know you've, you've got so much going on and I really appreciate it I love talking about vampires so I would love to have you back on when you have your next book come out as well and and I'd love to hear about how this procession happens if it happens and also you know what i can share with you guys with your um, listeners so i i wrote when i was writing my novel i had this other idea and i kind of combined two novels into one with these other characters and my editor said no so that's what i'm doing i'm taking all these other characters out but i love them so much i like eleanor penrose is an author a vampire novel novelist and she's one of my characters and Renee Descartes, the philosopher is one. So I had to edit them all out. So I recently um, published just on my website, a short story called Paris of the South. And I can send you the link to share because I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's weird. It's like Squarespace, something, something, but I can share that with you for just your readers. If you would like that. I would love that. Yeah. After I'll get your email address and then we can, we'll get all the links too that we can post everything. So yeah, that would be amazing to read that. I love okay. that Paris of the New South. It's just called Paris of the South. Uh, Paris of the South. Okay. That sounds amazing. Yeah, New Orleans has that. been called that before because it kind of is the Paris of the South. It really is. Yeah. I mean, in all the research I've done, you know, for New Orleans, because when you don't 
you know, as a writer, when you don't live somewhere and you can't travel there, you have to do so much research to try to not offend anyone that lives there when you're writing about their city. And I love that description. Uh, and I do believe that, yeah, with the, with the French influence is so massive in New Orleans. That, that's an awesome way to, you know, describe it. So yeah, I will, I will send that to you. Awesome. Thank you. Well, and thanks again for coming on. So your Thank book you. is in, your book is incredible. I highly recommend everybody read it. It's New Orleans Vampires History and Legend, and you can find it on Amazon and at her shop. I believe you, you have it on your website as well. Yes. And if you get it at my shop, it comes signed. Oh, okay. I might have to get another copy now. <laughs> Just come and bring it with you and I'll sign it. <laughs> okay, perfect. And if you're in New Orleans, stop by her, her Vampire Boutique. It's 709 and a half St. Anne Street. And, and make sure to access the potions password. Ask about that because you don't want to miss going to a vampire speakeasy if you're in New Orleans. But yeah, Marita, thank you so much for, for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I hope to talk to you soon. And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, <laughs> I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you got to go check out SpoilerVerse.com. Because at SpoilerVerse.com, we have a plethora. Plethora is such a, it's such a snobbish word. <laughs> I like it, though. <laughs> It's, it's a good word. <laughs> we have an obscene amount of oh, interviews obscene. with amazing directors and artists of all walks of life and editors and writers. And, oh, my God, are you a lover of comic books like we are? And then there's so many, so many amazing people from the comic book world over at SpoilerVerse.com. And I highly implore you to go there and check it out. Yeah, and while you're there, you can check out all the other podcasts on our network, like Bridges and Geekdoms and Funny Book Forensics and Haphazard Adventures and Nerds in the Crypt and so many more. Misery Point Radio. episodes all the time. Misery Point Radio has got a ton of great stuff out there. Go check all of them out. And check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you. Every day on Swillivers.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. We have a store link. You want to help support the site? You can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash country. Or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it you know, obviously on all the socials. But if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public discord server and come chat with us all day long. I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once. And really, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing because we're, we're working our butts off to bring it to you. We are. We are. I guess there's only one left thing. One left thing? Yeah. I'm going to go with it. There's only one left thing left to do. What's that? In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind. And... Even more.